This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Well, today we're not necessarily starting a new sermon series. This is kind of a, a standalone sermon. We're going to focus on having a fresh start with this new year. I'm going to read from Micah chapter 7. These are the last verses uh, from the book of Micah. And this is what he says. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us around your word. We pray that your word would give us hope and direction as we begin this new year. Lead us to forget what was behind and press on towards what is ahead. Speak to us today through your word and don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of the work of your spirit. In your name we pray, amen. I want to make a case for New Year's resolutions. I know some of you, many of you actually, have told me, I don't believe in resolutions. And some of the reasons why are, you've told me, um, why make a, a New Year's resolution? Why not just start and do the thing when you want to do it? Why don't just start right away? Or, or maybe you said, well, I've tried that before, and a few days in or a few weeks in, I got all excited and then I dropped off right away and I gave up on my goals. And I agree with you. I've done both of those. I thought, why not just start today? And, and I've gotten all excited about a new goal only to kind of give up after it got hard. But I still think this is not a bad time for us to make new goals. It's a good time to do it. I don't know about you, but usually for me, uh, November and December, my life gets out of whack. There's so much going on. Uh, there's so many things with, with family and friends and work um, that I usually overeat, overspend, you know, do too much overwork and my whole life gets out of whack. But January, that's a fresh start. It's not just the turn of the calendar, but it's, it's an opportunity, really two months, three months, where there's not too much going on, not a lot of activities or parties or other things that you have to go to where you can focus on setting new goals and setting up for the year ahead. Did I convince you all to make a New Year's resolution? Probably not. And that's okay. Uh, but whether you believe in New Year's resolutions or not, we all know that there are areas of our life that we need to change. There are all, always times in our life where there's something in our life that, that's not working out, it's not good for us, it's not helpful for us, it's not, it's not helping us and our family, or our future, and so there's always areas in our life that we need to change. And whether you want to change today or whenever you want to change, a year from now or if, Five days from now, wherever you want to make that, that New Year's 
resolution, that's fine. But we all know that we have to change. But change is hard. <laughs> change is hard for lots of reasons. One of the reasons is you know, God designed us to, to have a whole subconscious life where, where we, we go on autopilot. And for the most part, that's a good thing. When you're driving your car, you don't have to think about every little detail because you're used to driving your car. And so many of the things we do are subconscious. You fall into these habits. And, and for the most part, that's a good thing. You fall into the habit of brushing your teeth. That's a good thing. But we also can have bad habits where our brain has been so wired to do things a certain way that, that we see a trigger, we follow routine, and we just go through emotion. And that also can be bad habits. We, we go through something, we have a trigger, and we go towards a bad habit. And so it can be really hard to, to change deep-rooted habits. That's why one of the reasons why it's hard to change but there's something else that I think keeps us from changing. One of the things that keeps us from making good, necessary changes in our lives is shame. Now, according to some psychologists, and I think you could even make this case biblically, there's a difference between shame and guilt. Guilt is a very healthy thing. Uh, one of the, the greatest gifts that, that God has given us is our conscience. And so when we do something wrong, we act selfishly, we, we act self-centeredly, we, we say something we shouldn't, we, we recognize that we hurt someone's feeling, we have this sense of guilt and our conscience awakens to us that we did something wrong and so we can make amends and repent and say I'm sorry and apologize and do something different. That's a good thing. Guilt is a good thing. And, and today in our modern culture, uh, we try so hard to get rid of any kind of guilt whatsoever. But if you get rid of all guilt, I mean, that's really what a sociopath is. You, guilt is, is an okay thing to, to know I did something wrong. I hurt someone's feelings. I, I did that wrong. I want to apologize. I want to change. So guilt is I've done something wrong. Shame is I am something wrong. And so shame, shame really has to do with our identity. It's, it's something deep down saying, maybe because I've done these things or I've acted this way or maybe because something was done to me or something that was said to me, it's not just that I screwed that up or I made that mistake or I sinned against God or another person. I did that wrong thing, but I'm a complete failure. I'm, I am something wrong, and I'm never going to be different. Uh, maybe some of you have heard of Brene Brown. Uh, she's become quite popular as a psychologist and, and scientist, and she, she's gotten quite popular because she has really talked a lot about shame. That's the, the drum that she's been beating. She talks about shame all the time because she sees the effects of shame. I, I think the reason she's become so popular and so well-known although I don't agree with everything she has to say, I, re I think the reason she's become so popular is because her message about shame has resonated with so many people. You see all the effects of shame. See, what shame will do is, even if you want to get better, or even if you think you could get better, you don't let yourself get better because you think, I'm not worthy of getting better. 
I don't deserve to get better. I am a worthless person, and so even if I could, even if I had the talents or opportunities to get better in this area, I'm not. And you keep beating yourself over and over again because of shame. And so one of the reasons is that we don't have this change that we want in our life is not just because of bad habits, but because of shame. It's an identity issue. Well, today is New Year's Day. Happy New Year, 2023. It's an opportunity for us to, to change our calendar. It's also an opportunity for us to make some changes. And so, as I mentioned, this is a, a one-off sermon just focusing on this idea of having a fresh start. And here's the question I want to answer today. How can I live a new life in a new year? How can I live a new life in a new year? To answer that question, I'm going to go back to the writings of Micah. So Micah, do you know much about Micah? He was a minor prophet, not because he was less important, but because he wrote a smaller book compared to some of the larger prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, these long books. Micah's a short read. You could read it in one sitting. It wouldn't take that, that long. And Micah was a, a contemporary of Isaiah. He lived about 750 years before Jesus. Do you know what was going on in the land of Israel 750 years before Jesus? Well, by this time, uh, the nation of Israel had been divided into two. After King Solomon, the nation divided into two because of idolatry. And the northern tribes of Israel usually are just called Israel, sometimes called Samaria, uh, but it's the, the northern tribes. Um, and they went off the rails right away. They, they fell into idolatry, crass idolatry. They really didn't have any good kings or leadership but Judah in the south wasn't much better. Um, Judah, where we get the name for the Jews, the, the southern tribe was all that was left, and they weren't much better. They fell into sin and idolatry. And so Micah was called by God to preach and awaken that conscience, that healthy sense of guilt. He pointed out some of the things that were going on in amongst the Israelites. And here's what he said. If a liar and deceiver comes and says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, that would be just the prophet for this people. The people, uh, what they want to hear from their preachers, tell us more about wine and beer. Tell us how to brew beer, how to throw the greatest party. That would be the kind of preacher for this people. They were all about their own selfishness, their own pleasure. Uh, they didn't want to hear any message that were going to be challenging to them. They didn't want to hear about the God of Israel. They didn't want to hear anything that would, would change it. They just wanted what itching ears wanted to hear. And it wasn't just a problem with the common people. There was a systemic problem of injustice, of, of selfishness, of bribery from top down. This is what Micah also said. He says, her, he's talking about the city of Jerusalem and the, and the people. He says, her leaders judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for a price. And her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they look for the Lord's support and say, is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. And so the leaders, the, the judges were judging for a bribe, the, the priests were teaching for money, the prophets were telling fortunes for money. They were doing everything only for their selfish gain. So from top down, 
Amongst the Israelites, there was corruption and idolatry from the leadership all the way down to the common people. And like Isaiah and many of the other prophets, Micah was preaching against the people a healthy sense of guilt. He wanted them to to awaken their conscience, saying, this is not right, this is wrong. We need to return to the Lord. But unfortunately, they didn't return to the Lord. And as I mentioned, those northern tribes, they had to receive the consequences of their sin. And when the big bad empire of Assyria came in, they swallowed up the northern tribes of Israel and took them off into exile, never to be heard of again. And the southern tribe of Judah wasn't much better. They had a few good kings, a few good leaders. They had a couple um, reformations or revivals, but they fell into the same sin and consequence. They didn't want to hear what the prophets had to say. They didn't want to repent. They didn't want to change. They didn't want to see the reality of their guilt. And so they had to suffer the consequences of the Babylonians coming in and taking them off in exile as well. In other words, what Micah was trying to say to them was, now was the time to repent. Now was the time to return to God. And it's really the same message for us. See, New Year's is not only an opportunity to start over and make new goals and set new dreams for the new year, but it's also a time for reflection, It's time to look back on this last year and to see, you know, when were those times that I was selfish? When were those times where I was greedy? When were those times I took a good thing of God, uh, the good gifts of God, of money or pleasure or any of those good things, and made them ultimate things, turning them into my idol, the thing I trust in? It's an opportunity for us to let our conscience work, let our conscience point out to us where we have sinned. But God doesn't want that guilt, that good thing of guilt that leads us to go back to God. He doesn't want that guilt to turn into shame. Just because we did something wrong doesn't mean that God is done with us. Actually, he wants us to bring that guilt to him. He wants that guilt to draw us back to him And so that's why the Lord led Micah to end his letter with a message of hope. He didn't want us to grieve over our sin as if we have no hope. And so this is what he said. Who is a God like you pardoning iniquity? There's kind of a play on words here. Micah kind of sounds like who is is like the, the Lord? That's his name. It sounds like those words. Uh, And so he's saying, who is like God? pardoning sin. There's nobody like God. There's nobody like God because we have a God who pardons iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. When Micah is passing over, I think he wants them to think a little bit about their, their history as the Israelites. That one time they were in Egyptian, or they were in slavery in Egypt And they were enslaved by slave masters. And so God sent Moses to set them free. And so God sent plagues to get Pharaoh's attention, but Pharaoh would not listen. And so there was this last plague of the Passover where they painted uh, the lamb's blood over the door frames of their homes and God passed over. And he set them free from their Egyptian slave owners. 
And now Micah's saying something similar is happening, that, that God is passing over them again and setting them free, but not from Egyptian slavery. It's, he's setting them free from sin. He's passing over their sin again for the remnant of his inheritance. He goes on to say this, he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He does not retain his anger forever. Um, God is, is a just God, and, and that's a good thing. What would you think of a judge who passed over justice, who, who didn't have any regard for justice? Sometimes we maybe watch a court case on TV or hear about a court case in the news, and we hear that, that somebody who did something wrong was set free, and the the victim uh, is almost kind of re-victimized because the, the judge didn't care about justice. And when we get angry about that, why, didn't, why, didn't, why wasn't justice done here? Well, God is a just God. He has righteous anger. But it says he doesn't hold on to that anger forever because his real delight is in steadfast love. What God gets... What God gets really excited about is mercy, forgiveness. That's what he gets excited about. He is a just God, but, but what he delights in is mercy. He longs to forgive. He, he's waiting like that, that father in Jesus' parable, the prodigal son. He's waiting for the son to return so he can throw a party for him. He's waiting to delight in mercy. And so Micah goes on to explain that. He says, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Again, I think Micah wants us to think here about the, the, the story of the Exodus and how um, after the Israelites were set free from Egypt and they left, uh, Pharaoh changed his mind. And so all the slave masters they, and, and, the, and Pharaoh, they, they went back after the Israelites. And God told Moses to put his arms up in front of the Red Sea and the, the sea parted. They walked through on dry land and all of their enemies, those slave masters, were, were pursuing them, were pursuing the Israelites and then God closed up the sea on their enemies. And Micah's saying something similar is happening here. But what's pursuing us is our past. What's pursuing us is our sin and our guilt and our shame. It, it's pursuing us, and, it, and he says that God is going to fight, but he's not fighting against human beings. He's not fighting against us. He said he will tread our iniquities underfoot, that God is treading on our enemies, but our enemy is death. Our enemy is our sin. Our enemy is our guilt. Our enemies are our shame. He's treading. He says, you will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Just like the water swallowed up Israel's enemies, now the waters of our baptism swallows up our enemy of our guilt, of our shame, anything that, that keeps us stuck. Think about you passing through the waters of your baptism and all of the enemies that, that stick to you, that old identity is drowned. 
So Micah finally says, you will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. Way back in the first book of the Bible, after the, the flood and the Tower of Babel, God picked out one family, the Hebrews, Abraham, and he made a promise to them. I'm going to be faithful to you and I'm going to bless all people through your family. And although the Hebrews, like us, were unfaithful, God says, I'm going to be faithful to my promise even if you are not faithful to me. And that's what he's saying to you. Even though you haven't been faithful to me in this last year, I'm going to continually be faithful to you. My steadfast love that I promised Abraham, now I swore to you. I promise to you. But how could this be? When did God actively tread our sins under our feet? When was God faithful to us? When did God give us this new identity? When did he say we can leave our old identity behind us? When did he swallow it up in the drowning of the sea? Well, Micah tells us, and maybe these words are familiar. Maybe you hear them uh, around the Christmas season. Micah chapter 5 says this. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. How will, will God tread our sins under our feet? How will he throw it into the, our, our enemy of sin and death and our guilt and our shame? How will he throw that into the heart of the sea? Well, it's all done through this Messiah that Micah predicts. Micah says that out of Bethlehem, the city of David will come this ruler who's from ancient times, uh, this ruler that doesn't, doesn't have a, a normal birthday, a normal origin because he's also true God. And he's going to come and shepherd his people and guide them. And the majesty of the name of the Lord is God. He, and, and they will live securely. He's going to fight our enemies for us. And so even as your old identity wants to pursue you and chase you down, this King Jesus Christ, he wins that battle. So here's, I think, what this text is telling us. Jesus defeated your old identity of shame. You don't have to hold on to it anymore. You don't have to let it stick to you anymore. You can look at it in the review mirror. You can see that God has actively treaded it under his foot. He has actively drowned it into the heart of the sea. Guilt can be a good thing, awaking our conscience to go back to God for forgiveness, but you no longer need to hold on to shame. I think this helps us answer our opening question. How can I live a new life in the new year? Get a new identity. 
you hear yourself saying, um, because I did that thing last year or because I screwed that up and you hear yourself, you know, I'm a failure. I'm always going to be a failure. Nothing's ever going to be good. Get a new identity. That shame was drowned in the heart of the sea. If you find yourself saying, you know, why even try? Even if I could see some change or some growth in my life, I don't deserve it. And you keep beating yourself up. Realize that Jesus was crucified for you. You can stop crucifying yourself. You find yourself running to these different vices, I mean, drugs or alcohol or Netflix or whatever it is that you, you numb your brain out because of all that guilt and shame. You don't have to go back there anymore. That's already been paid for. Get a new identity. Now, here's my question. What would you do and what would you like to change if you no longer had to carry around the burden of shame? What are the areas of your life you're saying, you know what, I'd like to change, I'd like to improve that. I think I would feel better if I would do that. I think I'd have a better impact or I'd serve more people. Uh, I'd be a better husband or, or mother or father or friend or neighbor if I could do those things. What area of your life would you change if you no longer had to carry around the burden of shame? Well, again, that shame has been drowned in the heart of the sea. God has actively treaded under his foot through Jesus Christ. You have a new identity, so what do you want to change? Well, many people um, in resilience literature, uh, you can go back to the Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, kind of across different genres of literature and, and psychology and spirituality, has said there's really four areas of our life uh, that, that we can focus on, that kind of work together. People have said we're a four-legged stool. That if one of these um, areas of our life is not working properly, it's like having um, one of the legs of a stool cut short and how you're wobbly and, and unbalanced. Or maybe you could say we're like a, a, a four-cylinder engine that one of, if one of them is misfiring, it, it ruins the whole car. And those four areas of our life are spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional. And so maybe you think, you know what, now that I'm not carrying this burden of shame anymore, I want to do something in each one of these areas of my life because I see how they affect one another. We're bodies and souls. I mean, sometimes what I've thought in the past is, you know, if I just pray hard enough, every, uh, every other area of my life is going to, to be better. And that's true to a point. But if I pray, but I never sleep, I pray and I never eat well or never move my body, um, that's going to affect my prayer life. I'm not going to be able to keep praying. Or on the other hand, if you say, you know what, I'm just going to work on my physical life. As long as I can get physically healthy, but then what about my connection with God or a connection with others? And so these four areas are, are areas that if we always have to kind of keep in balance. And so if you have no more guilt, no more shame, and you can look at these areas, I would encourage you to, to look at something you can do in each one of them in the new year or whenever you want to make that, that choice, that change. So what about spiritual what are some area, things in your life that you can improve your spiritual life, your walk with God? 
Not, not based out of shame that I have to do this, but I want to reconnect with God. Well, well, the obvious would be making worship a priority. Maybe that's what you want to do. You know, we're not going to miss worship this year. Another thing that I've been doing the last few years is a daily Bible reading. Now, you can do this on your own. Go to the, um, the YouVersion Bible app. But if you want to read the Bible with me, uh, you can go to votl.life forward slash Bible. And you go to the Bible plan, open that up on your phone, follow the prompts, and you could enter into our group. Uh, the last couple of years, we've had at least you know, 250 people start reading with us, and many of them read the whole year through. We're going to read through the whole Bible a year starting January 2nd. I make a comment in that every day. Uh, but there's other ways. Just find some way to be spiritually connected. Physical, I'm not going to comment on this too much. There's enough people out there in the world that are telling you what to do on this, but maybe find whatever works for you. Realize that you have a body, a body that needs to sleep, a body that needs nutrition, a body that needs movement. And so take care of your physical life. Uh, do something that, that, that takes care of your physical life. Mental. God has given us a brain to keep growing and keep learning. Uh, you, you can look at some of the tools that we have at votl.life forward slash grow, but find new skills. Use your brain. So maybe make a goal in that area of life. And finally, emotional. This has to do with our connections to each other, our connection to ourselves. How do we um, regulate our emotions, but also how do we connect with one another? And it's not, the Bible says it's not good for a person to be alone. Uh, the, the importance of friendships and family and connection. And one of the ways that we do that as a church family is through our life groups, gathering uh, on a weekly or monthly basis. And you can look up more on that uh, at votl.life.groups. But finding some way to stay emotionally connected with other people who can keep encouraging you and you can encourage each other. Whatever it is, just recognize that these are not guilt-driven, but you know what? Areas that we can all change and grow. I love the new year. I love the idea of a fresh start. I know it's just another day in the calendar. Nothing has really changed. But for me, uh, there's such a beautiful idea of being able to forget what is behind, know that it's forgiven, and have a fresh start. But for all of us to have a fresh start, we need to have a fresh identity. We need to start seeing ourselves as God sees us. He made us. You're literally a miracle. Every single one of you, you are a miracle. God made us. And, and if any of you are parents, you know, if you ever see your child thinking that they're, they're worthless or, or a failure or junk or whatever, you, you're, you're thinking, you know, you're mine. There's nothing you, I love you. I'm crazy about you. How much more a heavenly father? So get that new identity that you are loved, that you are forgiven. Release that burden of shame. And then what areas of your life do you want to change now that you don't have the burden of shame? It's a new year. It can be a new you with God's help. But most of all, you're his. You're loved. 
Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, as we turn the calendar, it's just another day uh, in your creation, but, but it's, a, it's a day that we change. It's, it's 2023. And so we pray that you would remind us that we're forgiven, that the old is gone, the new has come. We pray that you would get rid of our shame, that you would allow us to receive the identity that you've already given us in Jesus Christ. And then give us the strength and the ability to change those areas of our life so that we could serve you and love our neighbor. In your name we pray, amen. Go to victoryofthelamb.com.